Um, you know, I'm always amazed how God invites us to serve him. That God moves us and, and invites us to be uh, a part of his work in the world. And isn't that cool that he allows us to do that? You, you know, as I um, evaluate every, you know, my life, when I look back at every point in history, serving the Lord and, and following the Lord is not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always safe. You know, and that, that kind of blows our mind in American Christianity that following the Lord is not always safe. Um, but think about it. Look at, the, look at our Bible. You, you know, John the Baptist was right in the middle of God's will, right? right? And he got his head cut off. That's probably a bad day. Um, uh, but it was a day that he met the Lord, so it was a good day. Wrestling match there in our theology of, of you know, you know Following the Lord is not always comfortable. It's not always, I mean, you look at how every disciple died, every apostle died. You look at um, the challenge of following the Lord. But, but oh my goodness, what an adventure. Don't, don't you want to stand over the Lord and have something more to your life than just what you did? I mean, you, we get to serve the Lord here. We get to follow the Lord in, in his plan in the, in the world. And God calls every one of us to live at different points in the history of humanity. And God's entrusted us with this time. And, and I think it's incredible that, that we get to be a part of his work. Now, now the, we, we articulate the purpose statement of our church like this, that we are here to love all people to Christ. That's the first part of our purpose statement. To love all people to Christ. Let's think about that. We're, um, yeah, I know 1 Peter 3.15 is a good verse to memorize. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we should be able to articulate why we believe what we believe. But the truth is, we're not going to argue someone into believing in Jesus. But we can love them uniquely. That's what Jesus did. And, and we are to love people to Christ. And, and as we love people around us, as we um, engage with people and serve people, guess what? They, they start to see Jesus. You know, we're going we're gonna to do that tomorrow here. You know that there's, there, there's a lot of people in our city that are hurting right now. Tomorrow... You probably saw the signs when you were coming in that um, um, we're doing the second funeral of a police officer in the last, I think, 30 days here. Um, he, Howard died of COVID. And it's the second police officer that's died of COVID in the last 30 days. And, 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 and you know what? In fact, you know, I, there's so many that are hurting right now in our city, in our city hall, in our community. Let's stop and pray for them. Um, I think this is a moment to pray for our city. Let's do that right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray for Howard's family tomorrow, today, in this moment, the days ahead. Lord, our, our police officers in this community are grieving. And, and I pray that you would Help us love them. 
and bring them to your feet. And, and Lord, right now, we just want to bring our people, our, our leaders at City Hall are hurting. Our city council, they're navigating these challenging waters. It's close. It's up close and personal. It's people we know, people we love that are dying of COVID. And Father, I pray that our church would love our city leaders well tomorrow, that we would love our police department well tomorrow. I pray that we would overflow with hope and that they would see who you are and how you are faithful. So Lord, I I just pray for our, our community that we would be a church that loves this city like you want us to, like you do. So help them tomorrow, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Remember to pray for them tomorrow. You know, we're, we're called to love all people to Christ. The second part of our purpose statement says this, our mission statement is that, that we're, we're to love all people to Christ and equip you on your journey with God. Like, I want you to grow spiritually. We, we need to push one another to grow spiritually, grow in our walk with the Lord, grow in our understanding of God. Um, <clears throat> And, and, and you, know, you know you're never going to stop growing up spiritually. God is so big and God is so powerful and God is so vast. And so uh, to, to contemplate him the rest of your life will never achieve completion. We're going to always be growing up. Let's grow up in our relationship with God. We're here to love all people to Christ, equip you on your journey with God and one another. We're called to work together. We're, we're to work together. We're to serve one another. We're to forgive one another. We're to walk together. We're to uh, help one another. And, I'm, you know, I'm seeing this over and over again in our church. I'm, I'm thankful to see how our church walks together. Just even today, I, I got a message. Some of you may not know Dan, Dan Johnston. Dan and Shelly Johnston are members of our church and have been for a long time. And Dan had a big a surgery this uh, week, and, and, um, and now he's battling, they think, COVID as well. And, and so I've, uh, Shelly texted me this morning in Cincinnati, from Cincinnati, and said, I just, I'm, we had a good report, so if you know them, pray for them. If you don't know them, pray for Dan. Um, and, um, but she just said how grateful she is for our church, for how they loved her and checked on her in her Sunday school class. And, and, and that's our purpose of our church. We're to love all people to Christ, equip you on your journey with God and one another. And this is our, our call. And, and we, you know, we have some values here. And, and we, we, this purpose statement dri- drives us. It, 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 it drives our values. One of our values is that, is that we're, we have a goal to make Jesus famous here. I, you don't have my picture on a bus going, hey, follow me to First Baptist or anything like that. We're, we, we want Jesus to be known here. We want the world to know who we worship. If you want to know what, that's one of the biggest values of our church. We, it's Christ who saves. It's Christ who can change your life. Uh, that's a value of our church. We, we also have a value, a second value is that, that we work to connect God's truth to our daily lives. God's word speaks, and this is why every week we come to the word of God. Like today in Nehemiah chapter 1, turn there. Uh, and this is a, uh, every week we dig into the word of God. We believe that, that God is shaping us, we don't shape him. And God's word speaks to us, and we live in general, genuine biblical community. That's a third value for us. We, we live together. We walk together. And finally, a fourth value for us as we live out this vision statement, this purpose statement, is, is we engage as ambassadors for Christ. Like, like um, 
we, we're to represent Christ to the world. And, and here's what's amazing. God invites us to serve him. God invites you to serve him. We see this all through the Bible. We especially see this in Ezra and in Nehemiah. These, these, uh, this is a, an important time in the history of God's people. And, and it's noticeable that, 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 um, that Ezra and Nehemiah and God's people at this time were, were a part of how God was sovereignly, powerfully, providentially at work in the world. Those are big words, but let's look at Nehemiah chapter 1. Stand with me. We're going to read Nehemiah chapter 1 together, verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to jump headfirst into Nehemiah. Ready? Verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the twelfth year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, and that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now, now let's let's get back into this narrative, this this incredible book of the Bible. That now Ezra, remember, was focused on the rebuilding of the temple. That's the whole book of Ezra. They rebuilt the temple of God. Nehemiah, it's the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and. And, and, and they reconstructed the city walls. Now, what's interesting about Ezra and Nehemiah, they were not able to look into the future to see all that God was doing. And that's just the reality of the people of God. We don't always get the chance to look and see all the ways God is working and preparing for us. We just don't get to see that. Uh, but, but here's what's happening in Ezra and Nehemiah. As they rebuilt the temple and as they rebuilt the city, you know what they were doing? They were setting the stage, uh, the, the messianic stage. Uh, now, here's what I mean by that. This, was the, the, this temple and this city was the exact location that Jesus would enter. And it's fascinating as you think about uh, what was happening in Ezra and Nehemiah. You realize right after Ezra and Nehemiah accomplished this work, that began the intertestamental period of history. Now, that's the, the period of time that came between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you realize that, that during that time, no prophet spoke not one prophet spoke during that entire 400-year period. So Ezra and Nehemiah were setting this, the, the place of worship in the city of Jerusalem that would carry the people of God for 400 years. Now, they didn't realize that this was so important. That, that, and, and when you think about this, Ezra and Nehemiah, what they're doing, they're seeing the direct fulfillment of prophecy right in front of them. This, the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the city is an exact uh, completion of Jeremiah 29, 13, or 29, 10, excuse me, Isaiah 44 and 45, Jeremiah 31 through, uh, 31 through 34. Uh, and what's happening is God is using them to fulfill prophecy, but then the people of God would come for 400 years 
serving the Lord, engaging the Old Testament prophets like Zechariah, and no, no new prophets have spoken, would speak for 400 years, and they were looking towards the coming Messiah. And then guess what happens? 400 years later, John the Baptist is born. Luke, Luke talks about that. John the Baptist, this crazy moment of John the Baptist being born, he's the forerunner of the Messiah. Then that day came when Mary gives birth to the Messiah and she walks into this city, this temple, and walks in to, to, to dedicate the Messiah. And Simeon was there. Remember Simeon? said, this is the one who would take away the sins of the world. See, Ezra and Nehemiah are building that very spot. It's fascinating. And, and you know what? Just like Ezra and Nehemiah, we got to hear this because this is the, the, one of the main lessons of the book. What you see is the providence of, of God on display. You see these world powers and these uh, pagan governments and, and these, these, these leaders that didn't honor God, hated God. They, they, they just built their own gods. And, and they were in charge and they were, they, and they were making laws and decrees. But what you see is the providence of God at work. God was masterfully moving in the midst of these world leaders. He was moving them like pawns on a chessboard. And here's what we need to recognize. God's at work in the world. Providence describes the, the, the way that God keeps, maintains, and cooperates with created things. And this is something we need to recognize. God cooperates with us. God allows us to be a part of his plan. And I don't want you to miss this, especially as we look at Nehemiah. This is right in front of our eyes. God invites you and I to be a part of his work in the world. And, and let me tell you something, regardless of the political environments that we see, the cultural chaos that we see, let's not forget that God is in control. Psalm 103.19 says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. He rules over all. Folks, let me tell you something. Let's learn to trust the providence of God. Let's stop looking at the cultural winds and, and stop freaking out, right? Let's not, let's, not, let's not forget that God's on the throne, that God's in charge. And in Nehemiah, you see the incredible hand of God, how he continues to orchestrate and move even these ungodly powers. Now, I think it's noteworthy to notice the pattern that we see in both Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra builds the temple, right? And then Nehemiah builds the city, now, I think this is important to notice because as God's people were getting their worship right, they were getting right with the Lord, then God was using them as a platform, using the city as a platform to share the gospel with the world, share the hope of the Messiah with the world. And see, before we make a big impact, what God does is he gets us right with him, then he brings us together and uses us mightily. Let me tell you something. I pray we're a church that's used mightily by the Lord. And, and that, this pattern that we see in Ezra and Nehemiah is critical. Now, now here's the first point that we got to catch today. Uh, point number one is this. Every job is a ministry job. I want you to let that sink in. Every job is a ministry job. Look at verse 11. We get some insight into the man Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1.11. He says this, O Lord... 
let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He's talking about the king, Artaxerxes. And then notice what he says next at the end of verse 11. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Now, don't miss the significance of this. Let's not overlook this. Nehemiah wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a prophet. He was a cupbearer to the king. He had a political job. His job was, was, a, was an important political job. And I want you to notice this, that even in the cultural chaos of what is Persia and Artaxerxes, God's hand on, the, on a layman, on a man, rose him, rose, like, he rose in influence in this government job. And it's a very important job. And, and, and as a cupbearer, he was an interesting job. He had to taste the king's food before the king ate it because people wanted to kill the king and poison the king. So he'd taste it and go, I didn't, I didn't die today, king, so here you go. Here's your food. And, uh, but, but it was a very important position. He was a cupbearer to the king. And, and he, he had risen to the ranks. And, 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 and you know what? It's interesting. In the midst of these responsibilities and duties, you know what you notice about Nehemiah? He knows his Bible. He knows what the law says. And, and this shows that, look, every job's a ministry job. And I want you to see today as we look at this text that, that God put you where you are for a reason. God put Nehemiah in that spot for a reason. God raised him up in his job for a reason. You may, you may have come today and you're like, man, I don't want to go to work on Monday. Monday stinks. You know, uh, they write songs about Mondays, right? Um, how Mondays are terrible. They're work days. You know what I want you to see? What we got to see is every job's a ministry job. You know, this was a position of influence, yes, but it wasn't a religious position. Now, now I'm called to be a pastor. You know, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 talks about my job. Titus 1 talks about my job. Titus, it says about uh, a preacher that, that not everybody's supposed to do this job. And, and, you know, I have an interesting job. It's funny. I've, I've had a lot of guys that come and try to encourage pastors, and they say things that I, I agree with. Uh, one, one statement that's often made about people in my job is that I, I'm the only, uh, I, I have one of the only jobs in the, in the world that I have to succeed both at home and at work. I mean, I can be a good pastor, but if I fail at home, I lose my job. You know, if I divorce my wife, I don't have a job. You know, if I, um, you know, do something stupid, I don't have a job. But a lot of jobs, they're not like that. And, and I hear people say that, and I go, okay, I agree with that. But can I just, I, th I think we need to be careful with that analogy, though. Because I would argue that all of us need to not do stupid stuff. And, and all of us need to walk with the Lord. That if you walk with the Lord, God will use you like he did Nehemiah. That God will anoint the work of your hands. That, that, that we as followers of Christ, we got to walk with the Lord. we got to honor the Lord. And I know there's a lot of people that go, oh man, you Baptist preachers, y'all just preach moralism. No, we don't. Uh, we don't work for our salvation. Uh, but, but let me tell you something, because Jesus saved me, 
That makes me go, I want to represent him. I want to follow him. I want to embrace this gospel adventure that he calls us to. And, and I, I want to unapologetically push every one of us in this room that, to see our jobs as ministry jobs. That's Nehemiah. That's an incredible message. And, and it's the call of God's people. Remember, we've mentioned this, Exodus 19.6, the people of God, what are they called to be? They're called to be the priest nation. Exodus 19.6 says this, they're a kingdom of priests. And, and the New Testament says this about us, that, that in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, once you were Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, when Jesus saves us, when Christ transforms us, we want to honor him. We're called to follow him. We're called to be used by him. And at every point in the history of the world, God's people have been called to point the world to a savior. And that's true for us. It's true for the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. They rebuilt the temple because what, they, what were they doing? The, the temple was where they got right with the Lord. They rebuilt the city because what was the city supposed to be? A proclamation of salvation is coming. And they were looking forward to a Messiah. You know what's interesting about this? No prophet spoke for 400 years after Ezra and Nehemiah. Do you realize after the apostles died, the Bible closed There's no other scripture written for us to follow. You could argue we're in a time of silence, except the Holy Spirit's moving us and leading us and using us. And God was at work even in the intertestamental period. but, But what are we doing? We're looking forward to a second coming of the Messiah. And just like God kept his word for the first coming and John the Baptist came and Mary entered the temple, let me tell you something, there's going to be a second coming someday. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be like, oh, wow, God's serious about this. God keeps his word. And and you know what? You, You look at Nehemiah, it's so very important for us because this man is so interesting and we need to catch these things. And I want you to see this. Look how kingdom impact is realized in his life. It's realized through these spiritual disciplines. And I want to push us to spiritual disciplines, learning to walk with the Lord. Look at verse four. It says, as soon as I heard these words, this is chapter one, as soon as I heard these words, the words that the, the, the city is in trouble. And he said, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And, you know, so, <laughs> I, I'm learning something. Like there have been times, even just recently, I've been burdened for things. I, I've been getting up early because I've got a burden in my life. And, and, you know, sometimes that frustrates me. That burden frustrates me. But, but as I get in my Bible, I'm thinking, man, that burden's good. We should be burdened. And, and I love this. And he sat down, he wept, he mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Listen to this. Let your ear be attentive 
and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. And and Nehemiah is, is learning these disciplines. Look what he's doing. He's fasting. He's praying. He's seeking the Lord. And, and, you know, this is a call. This is a layman that's seeking the Lord. And, and I think we need to lean into this, that all of us need to seek the Lord. This is a call we have. And, and, and let's learn about these, this discipline that we see here, these spiritual disciplines that we're leaning in here. And here's something I want us to recognize as we engage in spiritual disciplines. We need to focus on the Lord through the disciplines. This is very important. That's a very important concept. Focus on the Lord through the discipline. Now, how many of you grew up in a Baptist church? Raise your hand if you grew up in a Baptist church. Okay. How many of you remember in the Baptist church in, when you would go to your Sunday school class and you had the boxes that you would check? Anybody remember those boxes? Do y'all remember what those boxes were? A little Baptist history test. You didn't know you have to have a test come to church. Okay, what were some of those boxes? Come on, help. Talk to me. Read your Bible. Did you bring your tithe? Yeah, tithe was on there. Study your lesson. Did you, you, you know, you used to have to come to church and have studied your lesson before you came. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, what a concept. Um, uh, okay, well, there was, that was three. Someone else. There was some others. Scripture memory. Did you memorize your Bible verse? Yeah, right. Uh, I, like I was in the first service, I, I, may, I just asked my wife, and I put her on the spot. I go, honey, come on. T- tell me what those boxes were. She's smarter than I am. Um, I got in trouble. But, um, but, but, you know, sometimes we relegate our relationship with God by checking boxes. And we miss the relationship with the Lord the interaction with the Lord. And, and I want us to see that God calls us to a relationship with him, not religion, not rules, but this relationship. And that's what we can't miss. That's what Nehemiah is experiencing. And this relationship with God moved him to say, Lord, I want to serve you. Look, religion is boring and dull and stuffy and not real. But we have a relationship with God that is personal where, where God is at work and we get to join him and, and we interact with him and he speaks to us, he guides us, he, he moves us. And we get to impact the kingdom. Now, now, one of the ways we see this relationship fleshed out is that, that when this relationship, when we engage these disciplines, so let's not just make this about, oh, I got to learn to pray, I got to learn to fast, I got to, because we don't like fasting, right? When we get, when we go through a tough time, we go make some brownies or go to Brahms or something, you know, but, but, but you know, what Nehemiah is doing, he's seeking the Lord here, and he's interacting with the Lord here. 
and the Lord's moving him. And point two is that kingdom impact is accomplished by steps of faith. That when we interact with the Lord, God moves us to go, hey, come on, jump. It's like when my son was little, and uh, I was getting out of my truck, and I had groceries in my hand, and he would always say, Dad, and he would jump, and I would catch him. But I had groceries in my hand, and he goes, Dad, and I was like, he jumps, and I just go, you know, he just busted his head. And, uh, and I was like, sorry, dude, I, I had groceries in my hand, and they were more important than you right then. And, uh, and he's like, Dad, you can't, I can't believe you did that. But, but do you realize that God calls us to jump, and he never drops us, ever? And to learn to live by faith. This is what, this is what Nehemiah experienced. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. He's living by faith, and, and in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine, and I gave it to the king. So he's doing his job, and, and now I had not been sad in the king's presence. Do you realize it was dangerous to be sad in the king's presence? There are people that would have been killed to be sad in the presence of the king. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, he says. You know, look, there's times in our walk with the Lord, it's gonna be scary. That's okay. That's why I loved what Riley did for us today. She was nervous to do that. But God gave her strength. And you could see that fear turn to, all right, I got this. That's what, that's what Nehemiah was facing. He's like, okay, I got I to do this. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should, not my, why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting, sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I'd given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And notice this. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. Man. Look, there's a lot of businessmen in the world. There's a lot of politicians in the world. Maybe fewer of those, but there are a lot of teachers. Like my son, he's a musician. He led worship today in Yukon. And and I've always, there's a lot of those people. There's a lot of preachers in the world. But don't we want to be those with the hand of God on us? Man, spiritual disciplines in his life, you know what it did? It gave him some divine wisdom with his job. 
He was, he was better at his job because God's hand was upon him. A seeker of the Lord. Let me tell you something. In spite of the chaos of our culture, God's going to raise up some of us to be leaders, make a difference, be newspaper writers, be good with money, be wise with uh, teaching, be good at business. Man, God's doing, God blessed you for a reason. God gave us these gifts for a reason. And so we got to know that. We see that. God gave him divine wisdom. He gave him divine favor. Man, there's a lot of car places, right? But to be one with divine favor. You know, God gave him divine power. And all he is doing is a man that's seeking the Lord. we got to lean into that. And when you think about what he do, he prayed actively. That's something he's doing here. He's praying actively. He's, he's like praying and going, all right, Lord, I'm paying attention to you when I pray. We got to learn to pray actively, right? Um, he, he's confronting his sin. You know, we see this in chapter one. We see it in chapter two. He's like, look, Lord, I have made mistakes. I, 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 he's getting right with the Lord here. We see this over and over again, this, this pattern of, of the people of God getting right with the Lord. He's doing this. He, he's, and let's think about it. When we, this praying actively is leading him to fast and leading him to seek the Lord. And, 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 and he's paying attention to what he prays. He's paying attention to the words that are coming out of his mouth. Uh, he's paying attention to the Lord when he prays. Lord, what, do you, what would you have me to do? And he's considering what to do after he prays. Okay, i got to act here. And this is, this is what God does. Remember Luke 11, 1? Oh, my goodness, Luke 11, 1. Jesus is with his disciples, and his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know about you, but if it were me, I was there. I'd be like, hey, Jesus, would you teach me that like spit in the mud thing that, that I can like, like heal the blind guy? That's cool. Teach me that, Lord. But the disciples didn't say that. Lord, teach me to pray. I, I guarantee you they saw in the life of Jesus the power of his life was in his prayer life. And I'll confess to you, I just got back from the International Mission Board. I was there this week in Richmond working with our missionaries. And I, I confessed to this group that I was leading that, that man, uh, unfortunately, two years ago, I repented as a pastor about two years ago because I was interacting with these missionaries and going, man, I'm not praying like I need to pray. And, and, and unfortunately, I could not find a moment on our calendar, our church calendar, where I did nothing but pray as a church push our church to pray. Two years ago, I repented of that. And now on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30, we have a time where we just pray. And I'll tell you, I see this as, as Nehemiah prays and seeks the Lord and he prays actively. It led him to fast. It led him to these disciplines of saying, Lord, I need to seek you. He knew the word of God. You see this in his life. 
And then he yielded to the Lord. And, and so much happened here. And in chapter 2, I'll, I'll come in for a landing here. But, but you see this spiritual battle taking place. And, 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 and you realize that we're in a spiritual battle, don't you? Because you see, look at, look at verse uh, 17. The, then, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in now, how Jerusalem lies in ruins. This is chapter 2, verse 17. How, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build up the, build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them the hand of my God had been upon me for good. And also the words that the king had spoken to me. And, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And they're like, all right, let's get this done. And everybody's like, yes, let's rebuild the walls. But then look at verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite and, and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant, and, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And, and you know what happens is as Nehemiah serves the Lord, attacks start coming. Let me tell you, that's normal. As we start serving the Lord, as we get right with the Lord, get ready for some attacks. And though these guys have physical names, they were real dudes here that were coming against the people of God. The truth is, this is a spiritual attack. And let me tell you something, we will face spiritual attacks. There are spiritual attacks coming our way right now. And as we deal with the, the spiritual attack of COVID, of governmental pressures, of overreach, of problems of leadership all around us, let me say something, these are spiritual attacks. But you know what, when we walk with the Lord, that helps us overcome spiritual attacks. When we seek the Lord, when we, when we lean into the Lord, when we follow the Lord, he moves us to overcome spiritual attacks. And what we'll see over the next several weeks as we get into Nehemiah, how God's people come together and accomplish incredible work. And the reality is, Nehemiah, Nehemiah's faith is inspiring to me. His walk with the Lord is inspiring to me because he's a layman who trusts the Lord so much, who leans into the Lord so much that he has to act. He has to do something. And you know what? As we wait, as we are a people that wait for the second coming of Christ and that, and that serve the Lord and join the Lord where he's working today, let's recognize that God is going to raise us up and give us influence, give us a platform for a reason. God's not going to call every one of you to be a pastor. But let's think about what I do as a pastor. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we got to see this. Every job is a ministry job. You may not have walked in the room today and thought you had a ministry job. Let me tell you something. You got a ministry job. And the Bible's clear on this. And that's why we've got to be a, become a people of faith, a people that trust the Lord. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain about things we can't see. 
Look, there are times that God's going to say to every one of us, jump, jump. Hey, Lord, we trust you. God's going to put us in, in a tough political environment. Hey, we're not going to freak out. We're going to trust the Lord. God's providentially in control. In spite of Persia, Nehemiah rose up and influenced in a governmental system. Look, God blesses his people. God uses his people. And God invites his people into this adventure of pointing the world to a savior. That's why we got to do a good job building a church that lives by faith. Hebrews eleven six, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Man, I'm blown away. You know what's what's amazing to me? That that when we start seeking the Lord, this has happened all my life. When I start seeking the Lord, I get there and I find him. When you seek the Lord, you will find him. And then when I find him, I realize it's been him that's drawing me the whole time. He was at work before it was a thought in my mind or a desire in my heart. You remember, it's football season now, and I watched the Dallas Cowboys play the other day, and I looked in the stands as it panned through the stands, and I, and I didn't see that guy. Remember that guy a long time ago, that guy that wore the funny, I think it was a rainbow-colored wig? Remember that guy? And he had a sign Remember the sign that he held up? What did the sign say? John 3.16. That dude was famous. You ought to Google. Maybe you Google. I, didn't, I haven't tried this. Uh, uh, but, but, but that guy would hold the sign up, and, and the camera would pan the crowd. He'd be in his rainbow wig, like Afro wig, going, John 3.16. I hadn't seen that sign in... I was a kid. But oh, isn't that a message the world needs? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Oh my goodness, that's a world That's a message the world needs to know. Let me tell you, that's a message your world needs to know. And God's calling you tomorrow to go into your world called your job. God's calling us today to go home to our world called our neighbor's to help them see, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. See, that's why Jesus came, because we were lost. 
And we were in trouble. And you know what? We, this is why God is at work in our church. You know what they told me this week? That, like, if you're watching online right now, you know, they, they, they've said that we have 300 people a week watching online. That blew my mind. You know, if you're watching online, guess what? God's at work before you even tuned in today in your life. You walked in this room today, God's been at work before you even thought about it. Let's lean into him. Let's not miss the Lord through this moment, through this gathering, through this online opportunity that we have in this day that we live. Let's not miss the Lord. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Have you been forgiven? Have you, have you trusted Christ? I wish so bad I could just throw my heart into yours for just a second. For you to experience the peace of God, the power of God, the hope of Christ. You know, at, two, at four o'clock today, I'm going to go to Oklahoma City and stand with my family in a prayer time for my cousin. I don't know if she's going to make it or not. I don't know. We're praying she would. But in the midst of our prayers, I know she knows Christ as her Savior. So if God takes her to heaven through this COVID craziness that we're in, we're going to grieve, but not without hope. We have hope in Christ. And you could know it. You could experience it. You know, Kelly is online. Kelly Sanders is online right now, willing to connect with any of you that are online. That's why God put us in your life, put this church in this spot. Let's let's get on the mission field, folks. I'm going to ask you to get right with the Lord today. To live as a missionary today. That's the call we have. That's the invitation that is before us. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. Would you stand? Our altars are open, and I want to pray for us. And let's respond to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for Nehemiah. May we see our job that you have given us as a ministry job. Use us, Lord. Teach us. Thank you for the invitation to be in the middle of your kingdom work. And may we be a people that seek your face every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.